0: Get guys! Welcome to Around the Traps, your weekly dose of all the relevance NRL fantasy news. TK, Chase and Brenton in the house. We record on Sunday, January twenty-one. Let's bring the boys in. Jace, how are you, mate?
1: Yeah, going well, TK. Really enjoying the Australian Open tennis. Just uh, to sort of time stamp us here, I just watched Taylor Fritz knock out Tsitsipas and set up uh, that, yeah. a clash, a clash with Novak. So yeah, really enjoying the tennis and uh, really enjoying summer. Although humidity is a bit rough.
0: But you're a big tennis guy as well, isn't? Demons on today, isn't he?
1: Yeah, Demons was playing Rublev, which will be. Um, it was
2: probably the worst draw he could have for a fourth round. Um, so. Uh, That should be good. Starts at uh, 6 o'clock Queensland time tonight, so um, might be tuning in on that one, just like the rest of the country should be.
0: Lovely. Well, follow Talking League across all the social medias. Talking League pod on tiktok facebook and instagram talk league one on twitter you can also find all the info at talkingleaguepod.com. now last week on the podcast we had previews for the newcastle knights and canterbury bulldogs ahead this week on the podcast we are previewing the dolphins west tigers and the dragons but let's kick things off with the injury report robo a little bit not as many as last week but some significant ones on there this week mate
1: yeah, definitely some key players from last year, TK, that are in the news this week. So we'll start across the ditch. Uh, Sean Johnson, he is in a moon boot after suffering an injury scare at training. SENS, Senz, S-E-N-Z, uh, not what you did last night, TK. They reported on Friday that the 33-year-old halfback was expected to have scans on his ankle following the incident. We haven't yet got any developments on that, but we'll watch that and probably talk about it next week. Uh, another big asset, Dave feeder He's returned to training after ongoing surgery to re- Repair a partial pectoral tear from December, so he's going well on that. Uh, Tommy Chester at the Cowboys, he's returned to full training as he pushes to be available for the preseason challenge. Coming off that ACL injury, which is great to hear. Joshy Schuster, he's reportedly out with a finger injury, three to four weeks. Not ideal, but at least he'll be able to uh, keep on his conditioning, which he's obviously putting a lot of work to uh, this preseason. And probably the biggest news of all: Big Bad Painhouse, he suffered a hamstring. Injury in an unfortunate pre-season setback. That is News Corp's uh, take on it, who they've reported that Haas has reportedly concerned to the Broncos medical staff and he's just been put on some restricted training duties. So probably nothing uh, for panic stations yet if you've got him in your side. And at this stage, they don't expect it to be a serious injury. And that's the injury news from the week gone.
0: Now, boys, I know everyone had pain Haas from memory in their team. B, does that put you off Haas at all or...?
2: No, not at all. Uh, if they're coming out with a mo- as a minor injury, if he's lining up round one, uh, I think he's your go-to. He's proven he's the best mid-year in, year out since he came into grade. So, um, at, no, doesn't affect my decision to put him in whatsoever.
0: Nice, Jase. Did you always have him?
1: Yeah, I've had him pretty much in him and clearion and, ha- and Haas with the super... Relevant buy schedules for origin players has kept him in my team. And looking at this news, I'm not too concerned. I would be more concerned if we see a structural injury to a shoulder or a rib or something like that. Mm-hmm. If I say that, I'll drop him out because we saw in 2022 uh, when that happens. It uh, cannot be fun for fantasy owners of House.
0: That is for sure. Now, boys, plenty of news around, especially the telly. Telly's done a great job this week with all the coaches' Q&As, which are giving us plenty of insights into the team. So let's start at para because BA spoke to News Corp actually this morning. That's when they published it. Now the biggest one out of this one, boys, is the hooker battle because he's looking to play an eighty minute hooker. Now it is obviously between Brendan Hans and Joey Lusick, but not looking as to carry a benchy there. But boys, we're probably gonna get especially it looks like about a four hundred thousand dollar hooker at the moment. Joey Lusick, he lines up at four hundred and fifty-nine K. And on the other side of things, Brendan Hands, he's at four hundred and six KP interest.
2: A little bit. I'd like to see what happens in the trials, Um, mainly as a a backup. Like I know a lot of people see an 80-minute hooker and then start thinking they should broom their gun. Um, I don't think that's the wise move. I think it'd be a a backup hooker at best, like in your 14. Uh, So that way, if for whatever reason that person doesn't cement their spot, uh, then you can either... Transition to a different backup, being the other Parramatta hooker potentially, or someone like a Cheese, Reed, Marnie, or whoever it is that you're wanting to have as a backup.
0: Yeah, in terms of that, you know, me and you have been, both been very high on Cheese, and then, you know, a lot of people also read. Jace, in terms of maybe getting a Joey Lusick in the team, I'll, I'm assuming that he's probably favourite given that he finished there. That would probably save 100k away from Cheese, but you do obviously lose that, that versatility of what Cheese brings to the table.
1: You certainly do, TK, and that is kind of where we'll get to at the end that I've got both of them sitting in my team at the moment. I recommend coaches stick Lussick in there because he's a higher price so it doesn't give you a false sense of security in terms of cap room if you're going to stick one in your team now. But I think this might potentially open up Harry Grant's ownership to sort of shoot up a bit. We know the Storm we've got to buy in round four. Mm. And if we've got a Lussick or someone who seems to be quite reliable and doesn't have the functionality that Cheese does in terms of finding a new bone in his body to injury every season, Grant might go up and it gives that security blanket where you don't have to worry about that round four buy. You can just plug Lussick in and away you go.
0: Well, that's the other option, right? You could also downgrade Robson and then spread that cash as well. So, a little bit to track there in the trials on Hopgood. Now, he was talking there a little bit about his consistency and his ability to play out 80 minutes. And obviously, that's not easy. There's a lot of mouths to feed there as well. But I guess this one, Jace, like, I think Hopgood was all 2023. I guess it's more for the draft owners, I think, at this stage.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In my most recent article of the Mercado, I did sort of point that out, that we probably just want to see where he lands in terms of his minutes, and then maybe he might be one to pick up after they have their first buy. Of course, 18th man in Origin, uh, he could very much be in the mix this year, depending on injuries and suspensions.
0: Nice. Also, I know that you've put here in some of the notes here, Jace around Jake moving out, and he's getting some good wraps out of Manly, but the other thing I, I kind of noticed was a little bit of chat on Sean Russell and him adding a bit of, a bit of weight onto onto him and some muscle there as well. So he's an interesting one there, B, because he's kind of that high 300s. So if you were to think that Parramatta were going to go on a bit of a roll, he could maybe see a bit of an improvement. He does have a jewel there as well, mate.
2: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he actually gets the spot because you've got Mike Acevo who's going to be there. Uh, do they play Bailey Simonson on the wing or are they going to play him at centres because they've got Morgan Harper? Mm. Uh, so it'll be a very interesting um, team review. Um, but that jewel is spicy, and we all know his um, try-scoring capabilities from uh, before he got injured in the 2022 season, I think it was.
0: Yeah, it was. Now, Morgan Harper um, got a fair rap in that as well. Like, the way that he was talking there, Jason, you'd have to assume that he'd probably be favourites there to partner Will Penasini there.
1: Yeah, definitely. He referred to Morgan Harper as a, fo- a defensively focused centre. I know people will you know, stick the jokes out there about that Teleco game, but that was one game. I think in terms of what he's talking about there, is more structurally, you know, as a centre, probably the hardest position to defend on the field. It definitely is an origin in those finals games that if he's able to work well with the centre, stay in the right spots, yeah, look, if he gets beaten one-on-one occasionally, uh, that's probably going to help Parrot because, of course, they didn't make that last year.
0: Yeah, now, Brenton, control yourself. Cameron Masurato spoke to the telly. Main interesting Mm -hmm. parts here, mate. Stephen Crichton, he can play anywhere, but a bit like Birdo, it looks like what's best for the team and making sure he's got balance throughout the team. He's one of the world's best centre, so he'll train there, but we know he can play fullback. Bronson Cherry, his initial thoughts was definitely that he would have to play in New South Wales Cup to get things back going, but he has surprised in terms of how quickly he has picked everything up, so good little note there and then obviously Josh Curran when Josh Curran signed to the Doggies he actually wanted it to be a lock so very interesting there but he is saying that Kurt Manny's is pressing him for that role as well elsewhere a little bit of chat with Liam Knight and probably what I want to bring up first here boys is because we had our preview last week here Bea, and we probably missed out on because of time checking out Viliami Kickout, who does probably start at a slight discount to previous seasons but did you have any interest in there?
2: Uh not so much for Kickout at the moment. I think he does have upside, but I think you need to see how the Bulldogs' attack actually flows. Um, again, and we keep on going back to it, is that we are spoilt for low-price centres in the mid ranges So, mm. like your Wongs, your Piakura's, even Josh Schuster's, um, Josh Curran, who can fill that role. Um, is Kickout really worth it? And five grand more, you get Sean Bloor, who's an actual proven gun if he gets that starting edge. So... I think there's better options, but you can definitely wait for three weeks and then see how he's tracking. If that that left edge is firing, then, um, yeah, it could be worth picking up.
0: Yeah, Jace, with Critter, do you think that they'll stack the left side or do you think that they'll balance it out and just put him on the right so they can, you know, he's obviously a very good defensive centre, just kind of gives a bit of stability then if he plays on the right?
1: It is a really interesting one because you did point out on the Bulldogs preview, and you didn't necessarily go into Kikau, Kikau in detail, is they could potentially reignite a Panthers left edge and have Josh Adekar there, which obviously would be quite strong. Crichton obviously has that ability to play left or right, and he's done it at the highest level for Samoa and for New South Wales. So I think they've got a winner either side there. just depends on what they do with Kiraz. I think Kiraz, from when I've watched him play, he seems to do better when he's... Starting off the right hand side. It seems he's stepping is good at sort of making those little half breaks for an offload or a tackle bus, which obviously great for fantasy, but in terms of getting some momentum for the doggies. So I would expect him to be on the left. But again, Serrano might just throw it up and go, oh, just we'll stick him at fullback.
0: Nice. Now, let's move to the Chooks, because this was from, like, last Sunday. Trent Robinson, he spoke to the telly as well. Most interesting part, he didn't really say too much, but Spencer Linu, he did say he expects him to be himself a powerful, explosive prop and then develop into a Roosters player. So, from that, Jason I'm probably assuming that his role probably – like, there's not much confidence there that says, oh, we want Spencer to start, which I guess that's you – know, for me, he has to start for him, for us to put him in the team, I feel.
1: I feel that's the case. We're looking at a Chook's pack that is quite stacked and something we'll probably talk about in a moment. So him coming off the bench probably suits them. He's done that role so well for Nusa, uh, for, for Penrith that why would he not continue to do that role at the Roosters unless that was what they lured him over with, of, hey, we're going to move you from an explosive prop to a bit more of a diesel engine that can sort of do that 45 to 50-minute stint. So, yeah, I think you would need to see him starting to have that implication that he's going to be a bigger minute player, and yeah. as a result,
0: a better fantasy player. Back in the last year, Jace, we also saw Terrell May come on the scene, and he played really, really well. Now, he's been offered a fat contract from the Doggies. That's reported by SEN and also News Corp. But fantasy relevance here, mate, 492k, so he's kind of had a little bit of an awkward price break, even of 36. But realistically, with JWH suspended, you'd have to think one of these two guys is probably going to start round one.
1: You would think so. And what we saw at the back half of the year, especially in finals... Now, the thing is, is if you use 40 statistics, it doesn't have the finals games in it for 2023. Mm. So, I actually went and dug those out uh, this weekend just to have a little bit of a look because we know that he absolutely tore shit up when it came to fantasy. Yeah. So, week one, 56 points and 52 minutes. Quite sustainable. 30 tackles. Five tackle busts, which for a guy like him is what you expect. 120 run metres. Week after against the Storm, 84 points in 56 minutes. He found his offload game. He had four of those, made 45 tackles, which, again, was probably that game style that required him to defend quite a fair bit against the Storm. Six tackle bus, 130 metres. So does indicate that he might be more of that diesel engine style uh, middle forward that you can start and hopefully get, you know, 50 to 55 minutes out of if they need it. And so if they're going to chuck him in there and then have Lenny off the bench, that's probably how I'd look at, at it. But... Again, he's going to need forty-five to fifty minutes, which is something B and I spoke about on the fantasy game plan uh, around twenty-four last year, forty-seventh minute. if Any of our key listeners want to go back to that, but uh, yeah, it's going to be hard when it's tolls at the same price. Yeah.
0: Now, B, you were very excited. It would, like, mate. The doggies. Do they sign every try to sign every player that comes off contract, mate? But you're excited because I know you, you were very upset after missing out on the legend, for Fanua Blake. So, what's your thoughts here yeah. on Terrell, mate? <laughs>
2: Look uh, great young uh, prop. I think he's got the not not like a Payne Haas ceiling, but he's got that similar style of build, like the really tall, like not stocky front rower, but just like a built like a brick shit house. essentially. Um I if you can get him for five hundred grand, like that's I think that's how much we've paid um Jacob Preston as well, uh, and taken a bit of faith on him because he only had a handful of games. Um and I think Terrell May's worth that kind of five hundred grand price tag. Um, so that way you can spread your um, talent out to potentially even find a, uh, a key halfback in the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, well, I guess the market's dictating it because not a lot of big middles are coming off contract, but baby watch there for the Roosters as well. And congratulations to Victor Radley, who had a baby over the weekend, so you don't have to worry about if you are... I don't think many people are going to be interested in Classic, but if you pick him up in draft, you know, at least you know that... His partner has now had the baby as well. Now, keeping moving on, now to the Titans. Now, Kieran Forum has confirmed that AJ Primson is moving to the centres. So, it's kind of, yeah, it's a secret that has been around for a long time, but it's good to see someone actually confirm it. Now, it's what's other interesting part here that uh, Jaden Campbell have revealed that the back end of last year, he was carrying an injury. So, he's... He's back. He's still not back in full training. So there is a chance that he won't be right for trials all round one, which obviously puts young Keeney back in the mould here. But, B, they've got a – it's really tricky here because essentially you'd have to think that Jaden Campbell is first choice. However, Keeney might start the season and then they go straight into a round two buy. What's your thoughts on this one?
2: Uh, I think if Jaden Campbell's available round one, you buy him. If it's Keeney who's round one, I think it's a trap and you don't buy him because I do think Jaden Campbell gets that spot. Yep. And if they if if Keeney plays round one, then they have a round two buy, you might literally be getting Keeney's score for one round after three weeks and you're having to trade him out and he's made no
0: money. Yeah, I agree with that, Jace.
1: Yeah, I subscribe to that. I think it's a great point in terms of that trap risk because he could play a decent game, you know, get a 30-35 or something like that, then into the buy. And the thing is, you know, It's kind of a mini three-date rule. If you let him score in that round one game, see how he goes, see how he plays. They've got the bye. By that time, we're probably going to have some more news on how Campbell is going. And, of course, I'm covering the Titans uh, this year in the preseason with Rich. So I actually went back and had a look at that injury. So I was in the 58th minute round 25 against the Panthers, and it was non-contact, which does concern me. Of course, I'm sure the Titans' medical staff will make sure Campbell ticks off all the boxes before he comes back. But, you know, that could mean more setbacks, uh, in relation to his rehab. So, yeah, just something to keep in mind because we know he's very popular and uh, if he starts round one, we'll be very fantasy relevant.
0: Yeah, nice. Would you keep him in your team for as a bit of a placeholder here, Jay? or you just move on?
1: It depends on what other alternatives you're looking at. Now, winger fullback, we've got a, quite a fair few. Uh, you know, when we get to Manly, you might talk a little bit about Turbo. He's slightly more expensive. That might be something you want to have a look at. But he's at least 500k. Like, if Campbell was... 300k. I would probably try and move him out and work my team around because hypothetically if Campbell then came back on uh, as an option for round one like any of these other cheapies like Eero and the like, you mm. can slot him in and then use that extra uh, cap space elsewhere.
0: Yeah, I was going to bring that up actually because I know a lot of teams do have Hero and it was probably going to be a suggestion to have a player more likely to play because then it's, it's on the surprise on the downside there, be It's a really easy downgrade and then you can kind of spread your cash is that kind of essentially how you're kind of lining up your team at the moment, Boo?
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm lining it up that we're going to have Campbell. If you don't, if Campbell does not play, then it's either going to be find a stopgap who can potentially make money and then bring Campbell in, or go up to a gun like a Kalen Ponga um, and sacrifice in somewhere else, like whether it be uh, like a Reese Robson through to a Freddie Lusick. Nice. Uh, Joey Lussick, sorry.
0: If he does end up not missing the start of the season, he'd be, but he is named in round three. Do you have to give him a couple of weeks before you bring him in or you'd be pretty comfortable just jumping on?
2: I, I generally would give him one week uh, just because there's the obviously chance of reoccurrence of injury. And that first week, you'd never have a massive price rise. Um, I don't know exactly how the algorithm works in the background, but it's it's always like, a, even if he scored a 60... He's probably only going to go up about 15 grand, but if he scores another 60, then he might go up 35. So you've got that one-week cushion, um, and I'm a bit more of a conservative coach, so that's what I would prefer. Um, So, yeah, I think it's just uh, uh, a wait and see. I think he'll be named round one.
0: Nice. All right, moving on to the Bunnies, boys. Plenty of news out of there now. South Sydney's agreed to a new deal with Hooker. Peter Mamazoulis, now he's extended his deal until the end of 2027. He is seen as Damian Cook's successor, and Cookie's kind of, I think, in his. I have to find out what he is, but being a Bunnies fan here, Jace, he's been knocking on the door for quite a little while now, and he's hit some really good fantasy numbers. He's got like a mid 40s in New South Wales Cup. Cookie's actually 32, we 33 this year, but thoughts? Because Cookie is coming. Yeah, we've had him around for a while, but every good player comes to an end, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And on the Blokes Packer Up boys, Ad had Matty, who's also a big South fan, uh, talking about. And I really agree with him. It's really exciting to see one of our young juniors, the Marooba Lions junior, so South Sydney junior, agree to stay until 2027. That's always cool to see some of your own uh, in the squad. Especially when you see some of these teams where the hooker succession plan or their current hooker plan isn't too flash. I would have thought he would have been quite a popular option for teams to sort of throw a carry out of an inflated contract and hopefully get him across. But... Yep. Apparently, he's quite happy with the culture. You know, local junior, kind of like you know what Penrith has been doing. They can keep players at maybe arguably discount rates. So, you can see what happens there. The question I have from a fantasy perspective, and it's probably more back half of the year when Souths have no buys and Damien Cook might be on the horizon, is do we see Mamuzales get the 14 jersey occasionally? Like, I don't expect it to happen from round one. We'll probably see a full forward bench. But if you've extended for three years, surely they've had to show him some succession plan and go, hey, look, we're going to give you an opportunity at this point. And then we're going to try and extend that, you know, so hopefully by 26, he's either the best nine at the club Mm. or on his way to doing it so that they can have a nice, smooth succession plan.
0: Really interesting point there. And I guess Hook is a very interesting park because literally... Even Harry Grant isn't guaranteed to play 80 minutes this year. Like, it is very interesting, and that's why I don't really want to overpay in the position. But moving on to some more news, kelm mccormick his name dropped, Talis Duncan, David Mowali, and then Daniel Saluka for Fita as players to watch in the coming season. Just on that, Talis Duncan, because Jason Demetrio also spoke to the teller, which I'll move on to now. Probably the main point out of this was a little bit around Talis, and, uh, yeah, he's at what he's saying is, His development allows Souths to play Cameron on an edge at times and take the workload out of him, which is a great asset to have. So at this stage, it looks like Duncan will be up the guts because there was some rumors about him potentially playing on an edge, which would interest us because if he started on an edge in round one, he would get a duel, probably play a big minute role. But probably the other thing around here is now probably Cameron Murray might be in play here, B, especially... If you do have some issues around your cap and you might want to downgrade maybe a paint, half, so you can literally save what close to 100k by doing that, and you might pick up Cameron Murray, who could be playing anywhere between 70 and 80 minutes.
2: Yeah, I it, it depends. I think if he's going to be playing a hybrid role, I think that's a wait and see because if. Historically, like if he might not play as well on the edge because he is not up through the guts, is not getting his offload game in, um, might lose a few attacking stats and also lose those defensive stats as well. Um, I know it worked for John Bateman last year, but mm. I'd like to see it translate into an actual game if that's what he's doing. Um, the other worry I'd have is there's probably a lot of teams out there who've got Tavita Tatola yep. and can you really afford to have two mids from the same team out in the same week?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was just about to bring that, so thanks for taking my point, mate.
2: Welcome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, elsewhere, Latrell Mitchell. First time he's actually trained before early or mid-January, so he's kind of ripping in. Very interesting here, Jace, because he's played four seasons at both the Roosters and Souths. At Roosters, he's played 96 games. At Souths, he's played 64. So there's no doubt that between suspensions and injuries, probably Souths have not got what the Roosters have got out of him, man.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I know people like to make the jokes about the Roosters having a salary sombrero, but what they are exceptional at doing is basically moving a player on before that regression. Now, with Latrell, it's not his ability. It's just been his availability, which, you know, when we're talking fantasy, is probably the most important ability of all. And Luttrell was very unlucky with that hamstring injury against Parramatta in 2020, I believe it was, uh, where it was just a freak accident and his hamstring went. And I guess once your hamstring goes once, uh, it's always going to be a risk. But, yeah, very concerning for South because he is a player that takes up a fair chunk of cap. And with Blake Taff on the move, uh, in terms of your natural replacement, you're basically expecting Cody Walker or Jack White to go out of position and fill that one jersey.
0: Yeah, just on Jack White, mate. Now, he's going to be allowed to use the All-Stars game as one of his suspension rounds. But have you had a little look at him? Because there's no doubt that they have talked about him lining up in the left centre, so it's no secret now. But he, if he does line up there, what's? I'm just having a look now how long he's suspended for because essentially, what's his finals? Oh, he's suspended three games. So we won't see him until, what, round three, potentially. So he won't get a jewel till, what, round six there, Jace.
1: Yeah, that's exactly uh, what we'll be discussing in the South preview. I'll be doing that one with Pat, is that, yeah, without that dual position, he's essentially an out-of-position player, which we love when it's a favourable outcome, say, like a Bateman named available at centre, or like Nikola was a few seasons ago, where they're playing edge and carving up. When it's the other way around, and it's, Not as favourable. We probably want to stay away from those players. Now, I have no doubt doubt that White could be a very good strike weapon at centre. We don't know where he's going to play in terms of uh, left or right or who's going to be outside him. Probably looks like it's going to be left, and we're going to see what happens with Tass and Munro in that equation. But, yeah, unfortunately, he's not going to be a round one uh, acquisition. But the beauty is he's retired from origin duties, so he should be available for some of those major and minor buy rounds. And then on top of that as well, if we're going long-term, Souths and the Titans are the two teams that finish their buys the earliest in round 17. So potentially down the stretch, if we've got a decent sample size, he could be that pod centre you go for.
0: For sure. Now, moving on to Tyrone Munro, who you just mentioned there, Jace. Now, both John Sutton, he gave him a massive wrap. Obviously, Sutton's the assistant coach, but then JD as well. He said he's been looking for a winger who can score tries as well as Alex can. There have been probably some major decisions recruitment-wise made in the last 18 months where we could have head out and got one, but we have a lot of trust in Tyrone Munro. Now, B, your thoughts? Tyrone Munro, he's currently in my team, and we saw what he came in early. He looks like he's added a bit of muscle as well. was not a moon boot last week. Week, but I'm still pretty keen there for round one, man.
2: Yeah, it's... I, I get cagey on wingers who are not basement price um, and who might have just been like a flash in the pan. I really liked what I saw of him last year and how, how many grades he went through. Like, he went through like... Five know, or something. To, yeah. yeah, four or five grades that he got up to first grade and didn't look out of place. So, I think there's you could go worse than that, but for me, yeah, everyone's going to be running Pappenhausen and a lot of people are running Jaden Campbell... Um, And then you've got those Canberra wing fullbacks as well uh, that kind of save you that hundred grand, so you can spread it. So I, yeah, it's it's another one for the for the trials to make sure that all those Canberra guys are playing. Uh, But he's definitely a good shout. Um, Just to go back on your point with Latrell, I was watching the Levels podcast on YouTube, and Justin Horro was uh, saw him playing golf, and they said that Latrell looks like he's lost about ten kilos, and he's looking fit.
0: Okay, nice one. Well, we'll definitely have to keep it, and at least he's there at the moment. But yeah, I'd love to see a great season because I remember a couple of years we have got a really good back end from Latrell as well in fantasy. But just on that right wing for Souths, it's very interesting the stats that came out of that because Tyron Munro played three games there last year for three tries. Isaac Thompson scored only three tries in nine games and Tane Milt scored two and 12. So he can definitely find the try line he'd be.
2: Yeah. To be fair I think Tyro Munro scored a double against the Bulldogs. So um not too hard to really score on that defense, is
0: it? <laughs> you said it, not me, mate. All right. We won that game though. Did you? Well, I don't remember yeah. that at all. I don't remember any of your wins. But moving In case on. I remember it. <laughs> sure he does <laughs> now moving on to the sharkies now Craig Fitzgibbon he spoke to the telly so main points from this one he confirms that Brandon Trendle obviously will be stepping up into that combination with Nico Hines in the halves but he does have also guys like Nawari Piru and also Daniel Atkinson breathing down his neck surprising that probably Dykes wasn't named in that as well but he does name him else elsewhere and he, he's talked about uh, Taku Hau Tapu Ua and Jesse Colhoun, who we saw at the back end of last year. He names Kyle Iroh and also Kate Dykes in the backs so as two to watch, but he definitely names Cole Coon and uh, Hazelton as the two that will probably press most likely for that round one there. But not a huge amount there. Probably just confirming what we already knew there, Jace. Yeah, pretty much. And look,
1: I'm probably not going to pick Hines round one. I've on record and said that but of course if something happens to Nathan Cleary they're the same price so it's an easy pivot and I think unless I see Kyle Iro appear I don't think I'll have any Sharks because again if we have an injury that happens to maybe a Fogarty or a Cleary I want to get Hines in straight away I don't want to wait on that and ideally I probably only want one Sharky in that first buy round And that would be Hines. So, again, just something to be careful with if you're looking at those bench players for the Sharks.
0: For sure. Moving on to the Storm now, boys. Both Craig Bellamy and Christian Welsh spoke this week. Walshie, he spoke about Jack Howarth, actually, and also said that Joe Chan's doing pretty well. But the only thing he had concerns about with Sean Blaw starting was just the timing. Essentially, he compared his entry to ellie katoa's but katoa obviously had a full preseason. so but he he really does like sean blower as a player and he's ripping in in his first week he looked great obviously in photos as well now craig bellamy he spoke to the telly as well didn't have a huge amount to say they did confirm that you know pups it's one of those things they're not going to take any risks with him but we did see pups return to full training this week with young uh, sewer as well he said that he well he's just trying to Downplay it a little bit. He's played one game of first grade and then a couple for Samoa as well. So at this stage, he's not in the top 30. He doesn't have a top 30 contract, but I know that they are negotiating that behind the scenes. So probably stay tuned for that in the next few weeks. One thing that they did actually mention here, B, was that he was really concerned with their leadership, which was a very interesting thing that he would actually bring up because essentially they didn't sign anyone to actually resolve it like so they must be handling it somehow internally but I'm not sure how that happens
2: yeah that's a bit of an interesting one because so you have a look at those players that the Storm have got like Christian Welsh you know, Cameron Munster Jerome Hughes uh, Ryan Papanhous like there's some pretty good seasoned players there especially mm. Welshie um, being there Josh King as well potentially um, to look after the young guys who are coming in like your Katoas like your Sean Blaws. Um, Harry Grant's there, so I don't I don't see how they're saying they've got a leadership problem, but you know, what happens in those walls I guess we don't know.
0: I guess maybe Jace, do you think it's like maybe well they came from Cameron Smith and Dalfunukin, which are two of the best leaders that we've we've been exposed to, right? So maybe it's expecting maybe something that isn't repeatable because the two guys that they're literally replacing are just two of the best captains that we've seen.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a good point, but we also need to remember that three of their extremely experienced players went to the Dolphins, the Bromwich brothers mm. and, of course, Felice Kafusi. Now, I know some people have opinions on Kafusi, but whenever you hear interviews and they speak about Kafusi, they just talk about how much of a great leader he is, not only by example, but as well by his communication on and off the field. Yep. Uh, you speak to some of the halves he's played uh, with or the centres, and they've said, my defence went to another level. I think Branko Lee had an interview with... Uh, so, on a couple of years ago, and spoke about how Kafusi really helped him with that, and that's a massive loss. You can't replace that level of leadership in one off-season. But in fairness to the Storm, they still made the eight. Like you look at some teams like the Cowboys, the Bunnies, and the Eels, they didn't make the eight, and uh, the Storm still managed to do it, and they were quite competitive.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now, moving on to Manly. See, he spoke to the telly as well. Main points out of this one. Josh Schuster, he wants to play him on a left edge. Similar to, like, a Glenn Stewart and Wade Graham he's trying to compare it to. Elsewhere, we had some chat around his senses. At this stage, it looks like Kohler and Garrick are leading the race there, but he does have plenty of depth there with Tommy Talao and then also Christian tala And, uh, yeah, just just stick on that one first here, boys. Now, B, Josh Schuster, he comes in at... uh, edge half jewel 408k he's obviously had you know a pretty stormy last couple of years compared to that first season that we saw when he was on that edge do you think he can replicate kind of what we saw in kind of COVID ball uh,
2: whether he replicates it or not's kind of irrelevant because it was obviously such a different type of game I think if he just puts those base stats, because if you actually go back to look at his base stats, he had quite a good spread of what he needed to do. Mm. And then he got the attacking stats from the flashy no-look passes and has a bit of a kicking game like like what Wade Graham did, did. So if he could even get, you know, between 30 and 60 kick metres, just kicking down that left edge, there's an extra couple of points. Um, he's one of the changes that I've made to put back into my side, uh, for especially that dual cover. It's such a handy one to have because um, you've always got the – the combination of, like, a mid-edge or centre-wing fullback where you've got a fair few options. But there's not many edge halves, um, especially ones that are fantasy-relevant.
0: Yeah, that's the reason why he's in my team. But, Jace, you got the same thoughts, eh, hey,
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, that dual position is going to be very handy, both in classic and in draft, where he's a bit of a sleeper because, again, he averaged 47, I believe it was, in his first full season on the edge. So he'll be right down the draft board. And, again, he's going to have high ownership, He plays those Vegas games, so we can lock him in right away in our starting 13 as a half or edge, depending on who else we've got in Vegas. So, yeah, I expect him to remain quite highly owned if he's uh, named to start in round one.
0: Yeah. Now, another player that he's not currently in the game is Nathan Brown, and we all know what Brown he's brought to the game before. Now, if you haven't yet, I would encourage you to watch the YouTube series with Manly. They've done a really good job. It's about 15 minutes an episode. They've done four so far, but he got the player... Uh, the training award because they did an army camp and yeah he's been absolutely ripping in at the moment Nathan Brown but Jace on this one because Kepi's gone to the bunnies we've got Toff Sipley he's done his peck Matt Lodge is coming back from ACL so current fit middles would be Jake Trevojevic, Paseka Aloy A and then Corey Waddell who can play a mix of edge and then mid but your thoughts on Nathan Brown where he potentially might get priced in and would there be any interest there for you mate?
1: Big fan of Nathan Brown. I've had him before in fantasy when he was at the Eels, and he did absolutely amazing work uh, when he was fit. Unfortunately, he got you know some ankle and other foot injuries, which made him a bit of a hard sell at sometimes. So, he, of course, not in the game yet. Top thirty. It looks like he'll probably get some form of deal. At least be named round one with those little injury exemptions they can do. Mm. Last year, he averaged twenty-seven point eight, which would put him at a price point of three hundred eighty-three. However, if they took out that send-off game where he got an amazing neg-12 PPM, a (laughs) neg-12 in one minute, he would go up to a 32.2, so 443, which, uh, you know, with a PPM of 0.71 is pretty consistent to what he's had in his career of 0.75. So you're basically needing at least 45 minutes to even look at that as a value equation if he does end up at that lower price point. So I think it's going to be a bit risky. You know, with Toast Sipley, we're expecting him back probably like round three, round four, so you'd essentially need some more news on that to say that he's going to be out for longer if he has a setback in recovery. But hopefully Tof doesn't. He was really good last year, both in terms of fantasy... Uh, and in footy, Uh, so it's good to see him living
0: out his potential. Nice. Now, let's move to the Dragons, boys, because Shane Flanagan, again, he's been very busy in the press this whole preseason, but it's good because he's given us plenty of insights. Now, he's looking at uh, doing maybe a rotational role between Sloan and Lomax. At this stage, they're both training between fullback. Lomax doing a little bit of work in the centres, but also on the wing, and at this stage, he wants his idea at the moment is to play Jack Bird and Moses Sully in the centres there. He obviously had a lot of success there with Birdie at Sharkies in the centres. And then uh, back to the Sharkies, because 2015 when he was trying to bring Valentine Holmes in, he did rotate him in that season with Michael Gordon. And then the following season when they won the comp, he did a little bit of work rotating him with Ben Barber. So it is something that he has had success bringing a young guy through and also learning that position. But your thoughts there, because... It's going to be interesting because we're bringing out the Dragons podcast this week and when we recorded, there was we didn't have this information. So both me and Corb said that we're looking at Zach Lomax to have a ripper year and potentially be the number one centre fantasy-wise and becoming a keeper for the first time in fantasy as well. But your thoughts there, does that put you a little bit off Lomax? Uh,
2: yeah, if there's a hybrid role, especially for the outside backs, then I'm not interested. Um, I have actually looked at Lomax if he was going to be a center if I wanted to spend up in gun position in, the, in that area because he, he's goal-kicking center. Uh, he has he has had origin potential as well. And I think the information that you would have had when you were recording is that he was doing fullback work to get his foot position better for when he plays in center. Mm. So, to me, on that interview, it's going to be saying, well, Lomax is going to be your centre. But now, if he's going to go back to the wing, he's going to lose all those base tackles. He's going to lose the offloads, like with the Gidley flick that he has, uh, lose try assists as well. He might score a try here and there, but are you really going to rely on Moses Suley to be giving you the ball in the spot that you need? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, so, yeah, this definitely changes my mind on him.
0: Yeah. Chase, your thoughts on Lomax? And I know that are you also, are you in the group chat, you're putting, you you're posts of Moses Sully in there is that indicating something here mate
1: well you're trying to spoil the end of the show there I think TK but we'll go to Lomax because obviously I got a lot of love for him after last year when he averaged 50 when I picked him up for five hundred one k before that fated game against the Roosters and yeah like B said there on the base stats he's up near the best you know basically 13 in net tackle points every single week which for a center is ridiculous add 100 meters to that Couple of shots at goal. It's basically a you know a base very close to thirty, which for some centers they don't even average thirty. So he would be right in the mix if he was gonna start at center. But you know, maybe this might work out like a sort of Ruben Garrick style acquisition like we've had the last couple of years, where he gets dual position, drops in price, and then Flanagan goes, Oh look, the current setup's not working, I'm gonna take Zach back to his primary position of right center. And then we can all repeat what I did last year and cash in and get him maybe 200K underpriced uh, and be very happy with our centres.
0: Nice. Now, boys, it continues to... Sorry,
1: TK.
2: Um, Do we think that Lomax is going to get the goal kicking now that Kyle Flanagan's there?
0: Yeah, I think so. Because I think with Kyle, he's just not a guaranteed start every week. You'd want to have your goal kicker least guaranteed to be in the team. Like, Lomax will be there. And I think he's a better goal kicker than Kyle Flanagan anyway
2: interesting yeah
0: but, yeah, but we'll talk about trials. it was going to be kyle flanagan the next thing i was going to talk about because his dad's talking about him like he's dead set andrew johns the way some of the things he's saying about him but there's just two things that continue to come out that kyle is helping ben hunt run the team and he wants ben hunt to focus on his running game now b i've got currently kyle flanagan in my team because i do think that he's he does present a little bit of value of course that can change on one trial but my thoughts right now considering what the coach is saying, I do think that we did see Kyle actually score pretty well, actually, next to Matt Burden without doing any kicking. But if he does start doing a little bit more kicking, I think he does present a little bit of value here, man.
2: Yeah, I'm projecting him in the probably low to mid-30s because at the end of the day, the Dragons are still not going to be a great team, I don't think. So there's not going to be as many attacking stats for him. And he's, he's quite predictable in the line, I feel, as a, as a half. So... Yeah, he. I think he'd be a very good 17th or 18th man to start the season, um, ride the cash at, uh, for a little bit, and then sell him. You'll probably make 150-odd grand out of him.
0: Yeah, Jase, we're going to go on this in-depth on the Wednesday podcast, but Corb's brought up the draw for the Dragons, and that first seven games actually been quite favourable, especially for a team with a lot of changes with the coach and a few different new people. But it probably is an opportunity to take it, for me, to take an opportunity with Kyle because I think they might actually put some points on.
1: Yeah, and again, alluding to what we'll talk about at the end with Moses Surly, I, I think there will be some more points available for the Dragons. I feel like with a new coach coming in, and I know people have said with Flanagan that you know he hasn't been a head coach for ages, but he's still been in the game not just as a commentator, but he's been on the assistant uh, coaching uh, ring at a couple of clubs from memory. And uh, Going back to his son, Kyle, have a go at this from the NRL social media. This This is a quote in terms of the little caption they put in an article mm. between them the dragon's new playmaking combination of ben hunt and Cole flanagan boasts 391 NRL games 15 tests and 17 origins and a grand final appearance
0: <laughs> isn't that all ben hunt <laughs>
1: That's exactly scary. which i again i just i don't love what they've done there because again it's similar to a jake arthur scenario i don't want to do it too much but some of the criticism Jake got was very, very harsh. And I feel like Kyle cops it a little bit as well because, you know, he's probably good enough to be an NRL player. Like he's shown to make some big plays in big moments, and he wasn't terrible at the Roosters when they were going quite well. And yeah, I just don't think that caption that they've put on there really helps Kyle at all.
0: Yeah, I agree there, mate. Now let's move to the Panthers. Now Jerome Luai, he's passed his twelve week mark post surgery, so he will probably look like he's been gonna be ruled out of that game against Wigan in February so it's February 24th they've got Dane, Laurie, Blair, Brad Schneider and Jack Cole playing there at the moment. Elsewhere it looks like the Chins had plenty of world influence with Manchester City about to host the Panthers while they're over there as well. Any concerns here boys in terms of potential you know it's not an easy trip to go over there 24 hours each way but B I'm guessing Nathan Cleary is just too good to leave out of the teammates. and so no real concerns.
2: Yeah, you're 100% right. Nathan Cleary is going to be – he's in over half the teams and he's at a million dollars. Like, How often has that ever happened in fantasy apart from this one player? Mm. So he's a set-and-forget captain um, unless you are of the opinion that Nico has a more favorable draw. I'm, I'm not reading into any of the things unless he comes out with an
0: injury. Yeah, elsewhere, Isaiah Katoa, he has squashed rumours that he potentially could come back to replace Luai. So that's good from the young kid to commit to the fins there. Now, Mason Teague was another very impressive one. I know that Jace is going to bring him up in detail when he does the Dolphins this week. So just be on the lookout for that. But he spoke really, really well on NRL.com, and I'm excited to see him this year. But it looks like Old Teddy Roker here, Jace, He's been out and about. He does his job really well because he was smashing it at the Broncos last week. But some notes from training this week was uh, Anthony Milford obviously being injured as you brought up at the start of the show. Avarillo and Jesse Bromwich didn't train. And then uh, we've got Jack Bostock on the wing. The only thing I thought about here, here, Jace, was, was maybe Tessie New in the centres covering Avarillo and maybe people were getting excited for Bostock.
1: Yeah, for sure. Now, we do speak about Bostock in the preview. We we're sort of quite lukewarm on him uh, from that. Yeah, a bit of a concern for Avarillo in terms of he wasn't in training. We don't know why. Could have been any number of reasons. And another thing from that as well that Ted brought up, which was an interesting scoop, is uh, Sean O'Sullivan is doing some work with Daniel Rich. So for the benefit of those out, Ofe with the AFL, Daniel Rich was a very reliable Brisbane Lions player for the best part of 15 years. And probably one of the best kicks in the AFL. And the reason he was one of the best kicks is he could probably put a ball on a penny from about 60 metres away. And with Sean O'Sullivan, probably on the criticisms I have of him is his kicking game, particularly his long-depth kicking game, uh, probably needs a bit of work. So getting in an expert uh, from a different code, I think is great work from the Dolphins there. So I'm interested to see how he goes in terms of that kicking balance because if he's the main half, then potentially he might dominate the kick metres and let Isaiah focus on running the footies. So... Yeah, something to watch out in the trials to see whether uh, any of that technique correction uh, might lead to some better uh, kick metre outcomes for SOS.
0: Yeah, boys, so Sean O'Sullivan, 590k, a break-even of 43 for round one here. So probably a little bit underwhelming last year because we, we actually did think what Jace what was just bringing up to watch, we thought that might happen last year. But Jace's price, especially when you can... Compare it to maybe like a Jamal Fogarty, who we probably know a little bit more about. You'd probably say that you probably lean more towards it like a Fogarty.
1: Yeah, definitely. The ownership will be much higher. Fogarty's not coming off a peck injury last season, and Fogarty doesn't have a buy in round three because, of course, the Dolphins are missing in round three.
0: Nice. Now, let's move on to the Raiders. A couple of things. Zach Hosking, he talked to com about... His transition to the Raiders team. There is a little bit more chat about Whitehead moving to the middle or coming to coming from the bench. Now, the best of the rest, Zach Wolfords. He actually requested a release to join the Dragons from the Raiders, which is quite interesting, which I do think that maybe Danny Levi is now in play here, B.
2: Yeah, it's it's going to be one to wait as well because if his release has been rejected, then that means he's actually still there to potentially take the role. If the release got approved, then everyone's locking Danny Levi in because they've only got the two noted hookers. Mm. So I I think I've got Levi in my team uh, as a as a third backup uh, for two eighty six. Spend the extra thirty six grand over basement price plate players, and yeah, you've got you've got the potential of getting a thirty point player straight off the bat.
0: Yeah, because he's got a break even of 21. So even if he was to play maybe 35, 40 minutes, you would have to expect him to at least hit his break even from time to time. But it's going to be very interesting with this new spine. Because my other question to you was going to be how many. I know they've got a round 10 buy, but realistically, with there's going to be a lot of uncertainty because both Horsborough and also we've got Seb Chris both suspended and they're both first team players. So there's going to be a little bit of position uncertainty. They may lose games. So how many of these kind of basement players would you take a punt on?
2: Uh, right now, the basement players I've got is four, but I think it's going to be the same four that everyone has, or at least three of them, being Chevy Stewart, Ethan Strange, and KO Weeks. Yep. Because they are those 230s or the 250 roundabouts, it's just too hard to ignore because you know their names start round one um, rather than a, like a Kale Iroh who you might have you know, just in your team as a stopgap, but you don't know if he's actually going to play. So, And with the round 10, it gives you a fat nine weeks of building cash. Like it's, it's hard to build it over four or five weeks unless they're putting in monster scores. And historically, these guys haven't done it, especially like your KO Weeks or your Danny Levi's. Um, and I don't, I don't think Ethan Strange or Chevy Stewart are going to put in massive numbers because of what Fogarty is going to be offering. Yep. So you're going to need them for the long burn cash cows. Um, who can still score you those reliable 20s and 30s, if need be, um, to keep your score at a, at a decent pace.
0: Yeah, well said. Now, last news item here, boys, was Adam Elliott. He spoke to the press. It's interesting that he's, he's talking about being in the best physical shape he has been, and there's no... Well, it's his first full pre-season in three years, which is quite interesting. But Patty brought him up last week, Jace, in the Newcastle preview, and he thinks he might be a little bit of a smoky, especially if he can build back up towards a bigger minute role. And like he just, Adam's talking about himself, you know, first time he's actually done a full pre-season. So this is going to be a very interesting watch because at the moment he could be a bit of a downgrade there to save some cash because he's going to come in, just having a look at his price now, I think it's high 500s. It's going to be, here he is, Adam Elliott, 576. 576. So any interest there, Jace?
1: I'm definitely keen to see how he looks in the trials. It's going to be hard in that mid-mix. If I lock in Payne Haas, I'd probably want to keep most of my other plays in there below 500k if they're not a dual position, so your Currans, your Cheeses and those sorts. But I think he'll look as a tempting option. And he's one of those sort of players that has done in previous years where he just has a nice purple patch and if you get on beforehand that's fantastic but if he starts that purple patch you probably don't want to to do it i remember there's a season the bulldogs he started at lock and put maybe 120 125k on in five weeks and a few plays then chased him and he started to slow back as other players came back i don't think he's gonna have that risk at the Knights. So he'll be the 13 but just depends on what AOB wants to do
0: with the minute split. Nice. Now, boys, let's do accountability for the boys, and we're talking about who's in and out of our teams. B, why don't you kick things off, mate? What changes have you made?
1: Yeah, not too
2: many changes. Uh, I know I made mid-podcast mid, mid uh, podcast changes last time. So I've gotten rid of Avarillo and put back in Jesse Arthurs. I just do think Jesse Arthurs is going to have a good spot they're outside Katoni Stags' dual position, and I don't like spending in the centers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got rid of Kyle Flanagan and put in Josh Schuster just for the dual position because I wanted a, a better edge on my bench. Uh, I, then, I got, then got rid of Ruben Cotter uh, for Jamal Fogarty uh, just because I think Jamal Fogarty's floor uh, and the way he can – score his points is a lot more reliable yep. um, and then I had a little bit extra cash so I upgraded uh, Nick Cottridge back to Danny Levi.
0: Nice now boys I've downgraded Haas to Carrigan to save some cash I've taken Jason's Avarillo call so I've jumped on the wagon there and the reason why obviously I wanted one Finns player and they do have a very good buy schedule over that kind of origin period so just lining up maybe around 13 player apart from that I've just upgraded Ant uh, Wong to Angus Crichton and the reason why not because I think that Angus will be there but I just think it'll be a lot easier to downgrade back to Wong than it is to try and find cash to go back up to Angus Crichton that's what I was kind of talking about with a lot of people with Kyle Eero and their team at the moment because it's pretty unrealistic that he's going to be there unless there's an injury but it's going to be very hard to find another centre if you or pre-season relying on Kyle Eero to be there and then you've got no cash left in the bank either so that's probably a suggestion it's probably use him as like a bit of a surprise come round one if it's there, and it's just an easy downgrade. But moving to you, Jace, to wrap things up, what have you made, mate? What changes?
1: Four drastic changes, and unfortunately, the surname's copping hit this week. So out comes Reese Robson, Jesse Arthurs, Fletcher Baker, and Sam Hughes. In comes Joey Lussick, Moses Soorley, CY Wong, and Danny Levi. So touching on Reese coming out, it's... If Lusick is going to be a high-minute guy, I may not need to start with Robson at the start. We know he plays the first uh, major buy-around. If he does, uh, doesn't does end up playing Origin, but Cheese will do that as well, and I've got Cheese in there at the moment, so potential oversubscription there. Look, Robson might come back in. We'll just wait and see. Levi looks like he will start. Uh, so if he does do that, we're just praying for a purple patch of two, three weeks of good scores, quick little 120, 150K, and move him on before their buy. Now, is Sully the reason I've stuck him in is similar to what we've been talking about all episode, TK, in that placeholder provision. So yep. I don't think we're going to get two cheap centres. You know, we might get Strange, but the other options, Kapoa has a bye round one, so who knows what he's going to be up to. Simi Sasungi is at the Raiders, so he may not get the six or a centre position over some of these other Raiders guys. Ben Chavoyubic, probably going to be on the bench. And then Kyle Ira we don't expect to start unless there's an injury at the Sharks. So if one of those pops up, you know, before round one, beauty. I can move Asuli or Avarillo out, more cap room and move that elsewhere. But the thing I do like about Asuli is that he's attacking stats in the previous few years haven't been unsustainable. So last year, he had just two tries, six tries, six five line breaks. Like, probably not that hard to replicate that and scope for improvement. He's never been a massive acquirer of those stats in previous. But 2022, the average 41. Like, he's done it before. He could do it again. And as we saw last year, when he was back on the left side, he was about a 36 average with not much attacking stats uh, in 32 when he was on the right. So, again, look, if we can get a cheaper centre, he probably won't be in my round one team. But if we don't, at least I've got a scenario prepared where I've spent 900k in my centres, which is probably more than I want to, but it might be what we have to do.
0: Nice, I like that. Thoughts to finish things up, well, ladies and gentlemen, that was around the traps for another week. We'll be back this week, as I mentioned, with the Finns, Dragons, and Tigers podcast. They'll be on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Me and Brenton will be back next Sunday for around the traps. Jace is on a Bucks party. Enjoy yourself, there, mate.
1: Yeah, we'll do. Uh, I'm sure you guys will rip in next week and uh, provide the listeners with plenty of quality content.
0: For sure. B, you have a great week, mate. We'll check you next Sunday, man.
1: Yeah, cheers, mate. See you then.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you can find us at Talking League Pod on all the different social medias TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. Talking League One on Twitter. So join in. There's plenty of posts going up. So we'd love to hear your thoughts on any of the suggestions and the potties that are currently coming out. But until next time, have a great week, and we'll check you on another podcast soon.